Welcome to the Ashram Podcast, made possible by the American Society for Healthcare Risk Management to support efforts to advance safe and trusted healthcare through enterprise risk management. You can visit ashram.org slash membership to learn more and to become an Ashram member. My name is Prakash Chandran. The growth of health IT resources, specifically clinical decision support, has greatly helped simplify the process of providing patient care, especially in the hospital environment. Many of the sounds and alerts that you hear in a hospital setting are from this system and let care providers know that a patient needs attention. But could all of that beeping and buzzing also have its drawbacks for clinicians? Here to tell us more is Robert Giannini, patient safety analyst at ECRI and Christina Mahalik, pharmacist and medication safety specialist at the Institute for Safe Medication Practices. And Rob, really great to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. Rob, I would love to start with you. I wanted to start by asking, what exactly are the issues with clinical decision support? Thanks. So although this was designed to help clinicians with information and relevant decision-making, these tools have been found to be relatively ineffective. So we see issues such as overrides, missed notifications, and value to return to uninterrupted tasks, and also a lack of a relation action. Okay, understood. And just more specifically, can you go into like the nuances of exactly what CDS is? Yes. So CDS is really a group of tools designed to promote patient safety by providing the information at the right time to the person who is making the decision. CDS functionalities typically include things such as order sets, care plans and protocols, smart documentation forms, data summaries, monitors and dashboards, and predictive analytics and reference information. These tools are sometimes informed by patient-specific information, knowledge-based information, and quality measures and clinical guidelines. These tools are designed to enhance clinical decision-making at the needed point of care. And I know this is something that you have written pretty extensively uh, about and you kind of touched upon, but what exactly is alert fatigue? So as Peterson and Bates have defined this. They are researchers in the field. They refer to it as a condition in which too many alerts consume time and mental energy to the point that both important warnings and clinically unimportant ones can be ignored. And when we talk about clinician burden, what exactly does that mean? So burden is the time that providers are spending, and it's often too burdensome, and they're often mindless administrative tasks that they're focusing on, and their focus should be on the delivery of care to patients. So Chris, Rob obviously just touched on this, but I'm curious as to why you think reducing clinician burden and alert fatigue is so important. Yeah, good question, Prakash. I think first we have to acknowledge that there's a lot of data in the electronic systems that we utilize when we're caring for patients. And that data, it's there and it could help clinicians. There's a lot of patient-specific information that could help clinicians make more informed decisions. But, you know, as Rob alluded to, the basic tenet among decision support is that we're providing information to help people do the right thing and make it harder for them to do the wrong thing. And decision support can be really valuable. It could help us ensure that we have the right drug, the right dose, the right patient, that we're providing it at the right time. It could also 
help us become aware of, you know, significant either real or potential interactions between drugs or with patient-reported allergies. But in order for this to work and for us to really see the value in it, we have to be able to recognize the message. It needs to be meaningful to us. We don't want practitioners to become desensitized. And, you know, that's the fatigue that Rob was talking about. You know, when people become desensitized, then we risk that they might not respond or they might have a decrease in their responsiveness to those warnings, which really can result in messages being ignored. And that's what we don't want. We don't want these important messages being ignored. So to get back to your question, why is it important? It's important because we want to avoid that fatigue and burnout and frustration that can result when clinicians start to overlook these important messages. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And yeah, one of the things that you're, you're you know, focusing on is just how people become desensitized with things that they're exposed to over and over, which is really true of any system that humans are exposed to over time. So I guess the question becomes how we can actually make improvements here. And Rob, I guess I'll direct that question at you. Thanks, Rakash. And ECRI, as part of it being a patient safety organization, we convened a partnership through the Partnership for Health IT Patient Safety. And we gathered relative subject matter experts to actually develop recommendations for this. It's included health IT governance, monitoring, analysis, and optimization. So governance includes the ability to identify, develop, and execute a clinical decision support and knowledge-based governance. Monitoring is the ability to gather data and information using clinical decision support specific metrics and other tools to identify real-time or near-real-time CDS alert functioning and the impact that it has on clinicians. Analysis includes the ability to regularly assess, evaluate, and interpret metrics, functionalities, usability, and impact to determine how effective it is and is there value by balancing and minimizing burden. The last is optimization. And this is where organizations can maximize the use of technology and various tools to create and promote effective, targeted, relevant, and routinely updated alerts. How do you know, you know, you kind of laid out this framework here of governance, monitoring, and analysis, and optimization, but how do you know when those improvements are starting to work? So really, you need to involve senior leadership and the subject matter experts. So that's the clinicians that are using these systems to determine whether they're effective or not. It allows us for them to not only have input in the systems that guide us, but also in providing safe and effective care to our patients. So Chris, we're talking about this more comprehensive framework to get on the road to making improvements, but what can really be done today? Yeah, great question. I mean, the reality is every organization is at a different point. And where you are today is going to guide what you can do today. So if you haven't touched anything, if you haven't addressed anything, you should start. But don't get overwhelmed. Start small. Because as I said before, there's a lot of data out there. If you're just 
starting in that data collection phase. Um, you're just starting to look at information. Maybe you're even just trying to gather feedback from practitioners that, you know, providers or pharmacists. I mean, it would be great if you could set a system up so that practitioners could respond, give you some feedback on decision support that's presented to them, whether it has value. You can also look at data, picking like just a focus target. Maybe it's how many alerts are firing and who's receiving those alerts. Maybe it's number of alerts per order, you know, with a higher number of less significant alerts per order being maybe a trigger that you could be feeding into alert fatigue. It could be like a firing rate by either a department or an individual. And are alerts specific and sensitive? Were the alerts that fired or were presented to the practitioner appropriate? And what are people doing with alerts? You know, are they overriding? And what's that rate? And this is data that you should be able to pull out from your electronic medical record. Are people accepting the warnings and heeding the warnings? And if they're not, are they providing a reason? And what are those reasons? I mean, it's really good if you can capture some clinician comments in order to really make changes to make alerting more appropriate and reduce that risk for fatigue. Um, you really want to get at the impact on the recipients um, because, again, there's a lot of really good information there, but we want to make sure that what we're presenting um, is appropriate and it's meaningful to the person who's receiving it. You know, it might take a little bit more digging, but certainly it's really an important piece to understand in order to reducing clinician burden. Are those alerts effective? Did they provide efficiencies? And then take action on your data. Once you have the data, take action on that. You know, what's effective, what has impact, push those. And don't forget about the EHR vendors. They may very well be happy certainly likely to be able to help you with all of these steps, monitoring, analyzing, and optimizing your electronic health record to really produce the best outcome. You know, really, you have to recognize the work does take resources. So for sure, start small, because even small can affect great change. And keep in mind that evaluating alerting really requires regular work. So it's not something we're going to just touch and walk away from. It's going to be something that we stay engaged with. Yes. You know, Chris, one of the things that you mentioned was that this initiative or making these improvements require resources. So Rob, I was hoping that you might share what resources are currently available to anyone considering making these improvements. Yes. So the partnership has developed a toolkit, which includes additional resources as well as strategies and action plans to implement the safe practice recommendations. Some of the resources that are available are things such as a tracking log, what you should be looking from a dashboard perspective, the algorithm, and other additional resources and assessment tools. It also provides specific strategies to implement for each of the four recommendations that I spoke of earlier. So things such as engaging leadership and identifying a multi-stakeholder oversight team and assign ongoing accountability. Then you also, as Chris had said, you need to use technology to assemble that information that's needed to monitor alerts. 
So one is incorporating collaboration with your EHR vendor, but it's also looking at other types of information, such as patient safety events, help desk tickets, and conducting things such as walk-arounds, and just looking at trends and reports. Then from an analysis perspective, you need to be able to look at the function and impact and value that these alerts have on. So really that's going out and getting information from the users in order to optimize, which is the next. So ways in which you can optimize are considering ways or types of clinical decision support. There are invasive and non-interruptive alerts that are available. So there are many different ways in which you can alert providers to a function. So make sure you're selecting the right one and determine the appropriate tool or intervention that's needed to convey that intended information while always considering patient safety and burden on the clinicians. So, Rob, Chris, this has really been a really fascinating conversation. Just before we close here today, Chris, I guess I'll start with you. Is there anything else that you wanted to share just regarding reducing clinician burden and alert fatigue? Yes. I really would like the audience to not be afraid to tackle this issue. It does seem like a monster when you think about all the information that's available. But really, if you take it one step at a time, making improvements, towards reducing alert fatigue and burden is really going to better empower practitioners to make more informed choices by providing them with information that's relevant to the care that they're providing to their patients at the time. So definitely don't be afraid to get your toe wet and dive in and really try and start to make improvements in this area. And Rob, I'll leave you with the last word. Chris is right. It's all about taking small steps. So when CDS was initiated, really was incorporated to improve patient safety. But after looking at it for so many years, it also created a process in which it could endanger patient safety. So it's really finding the delicate balance between safety and burden. And if you take it step by step, include all the appropriate stakeholders, you should be able to optimize and benefit from this great information technology support. Well, Chris, Rob, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Prakash. Thank you, Prakash. That was Robert Giannini, Patient Safety Analyst at ECRI, and Christina Mahalik, Pharmacist and Medication Safety Specialist at the Institute for Safe Medication Practices. The Ashram Podcast was made possible by the American Society for Healthcare Risk Management to support efforts to advance safe and trusted healthcare through enterprise risk management. You can visit ashram.org membership to learn more and to become an Ashram member. My name is Prakash Chandran. Thank you again for listening, and we'll talk next time.